sorts slash antics. Really looking forward to this one. Yeah, or uh, the sexy lumberjacks, as my wife calls them. What? <laughs> I did not know this. Yeah, that's their underground nickname. You did a tour with them. Um, mostly well. Well, you, well, oh, yeah, well. Well. Yeah, sorry, that's a bad choice of words. Yeah, we were supposed to do a tour, yeah. and then a really bad case of the flu came through town and fucked everything up. Uh, in hindsight, made that gig way more special. Basic quick backstory: uh, we 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 put together a 25th anniversary tour with them. Um, we got one show over the line, and then COVID lockdowns hit, and um, just knock-on effect, we just couldn't make the rest of the tour work, which is pretty heartbreaking on our side and their side, and uh, to all the people that couldn't see Antics 25. However. Again, it did make that one show pretty special. We recorded it. We've watched it back a few times. Yep. Uh, it's pretty fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah. It, it was kind of nice, um, you know, the, the, the effort that they made for that gig, that they updated a lot of their music. Like, I want to talk to them about that. Like, that like, would be... Because, I mean, it, it goes back... At, 25 years is a long time. And, and to, to mix music made and mastered in a certain way back then with what's current probably quite a lot of work they've probably yeah it was they've always they've always gone above and beyond with lo-fi and with with what i do personally uh which they don't have to do um i didn't know them that well at the start they're they're pretty good friends now and they're always more than supportive uh and what they do musically with their label and for local talent and internationals that they bring over and and what they push uh in their studio and with their sets as 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 one of the not one of the few gems we have a lot of gems but on an international scale uh, for our music, like there, there's not that many, and they're at the forefront of it. Mm. I mean, how did you first hear about them? When did you get onto it? Um, not till I got back from the UK, oh. and we just ran in similar circles, and then uh, friends of friends, and then finally heard them, and they they were pretty amazing, amazing DJs, and then the 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 thing that really blew me away was, and that we'll kind of talk about this in the podcast as well, they had a rep as being a Psy outfit. So I kind of mm. half ripped them off in my head because I'm not a Psy guy. Um, and then when I actually saw them as Antics playing live, I was like, this is, this is, this is, this not, is not this Psy, is not Psy at yeah, all. Yeah. Uh, which brought on a whole host of questions in my head. Why did you change your fucking name? Yeah. What the fuck's going on here? What What's happened personally to make this happen? Why aren't you touring antics? Um, why aren't you pushing this sound anymore? And uh, conversation, uh, 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 what started with a small interview with them turned into what was going to be a podcast, turned into what was going to be uh, a doco, turned into a live show. So that's been a fucking amazing journey for us as well yeah yeah and, and good for them for being up for the crack um other stuff i want to talk to them about is is how big they were in other parts of the world but basically they'd come back here and couldn't charge very high fees at all and weren't that well known for a long time like there's all sorts of mileage that we can get out of that one i expect yeah yeah, so again, it goes back to what the fuck happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Normanby Road, 
Like, keeps coming up. Yeah, keeps coming up. Yeah, yeah. There's bound to be some crack about that. Yeah. Like, yeah, we, yeah, we, we, we've got to collar them on that. Um, and uh, I'm sure there's plenty of other stuff, isn't there? <laughs> like, like, I don't think we'll struggle to fill the time. No, not at all. Um, so let's do it. We may as well recap what what happened. So it's obviously we know each other quite well, and um, just to give the the listeners a, a recap, we uh, antics turned twenty five, so we put uh, a gig together. At the Winter Garden. Uh, well, it wasn't at the Winter Gardens; it was somewhere else. <laughs> we'll talk about this journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a COVID struck, and we snuck one gig in, and then the rest of it was was canned. Yeah. Um, pretty it was pretty heartbreaking for us on on our side, but uh, I didn't see it coming. That the. I don't know if you guys can remember, but that that was a big that was a big journey for us. We had a venue, a venue that fell through. We turned another venue around in like a week, and we had to change everything we were doing. And we had the council involved, which um, which 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 was uh, difficult um, to be nice and. Uh, but it was pretty amazing. It was from our side. Oh yeah, I turned around. Turned into something completely epic, man. I mean, yeah. that space down there was just suited it. Probably better. Better, I think. yeah. Yeah, more special. I think so. I, I got sent some, actually just driving up here, I was stuck in a traffic jam. Gotta love Auckland. Um, <laughs> on a Sunday. And um, and someone sent me uh, some videos that he'd taken of that night. Oh, yeah. And it was... Um, Duck Walk, the track Duck Walk, and then it was uh, another couple of tracks, oldies, but oh, it's pretty sick seeing it from his his perspective, looking back at us because you know we were in the zone and mm. yeah, and it just it just sort of gave me a bit of a really nice rush of like it was, it was uh, an epic night. Yeah, an epic night. You know, and you know when you play a lot or you you've been playing for so many years, you get. Um, you get good nights and you get average nights and you get bad nights but you don't get many epic nights and that was an epic night so yeah and it was it was pretty crazy what a couple of days later we were in there and we had to can Christchurch and you know future I think Wellington was in the pipeline and there was some Aussie yeah, it was stuff like, yeah, and yeah. it was all going to go we're all going to you know we're rolling forward with the whole thing it was like we've got momentum here yeah, yeah and, that, and then yeah. it was like yeah, and breaks. all the all the little it was one of those things. I remember you guys saying it was like all the little niggles because that that was pretty fucking impressive for like you guys had practiced and spent a lot of time putting that together. Mm. But for that was a pretty much a first time run through with a crowd. Yeah, and you guys were like, oh, we'll fix the little niggles, which no one noticed. But yeah, um, yeah, I've, I've we've watched the video a few, the first time I watched the video back in full with people. I probably had a better time watching the video than I did at the gig. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, I mean, he had his little director's commentary on it as well. Yeah, yeah he's shown it to me. Yeah, yeah. So we've watched it a few times, and the, and the footage is James did such a good job with the, those moving cameras are fucking awesome. Yeah, uh, especially how it's he did set them up between the like the plants. So when the camera moves, it, it it's like naturally framed it's not, mm-hmm. it doesn't feel so staged mm. yeah he's done a he's done a good job yeah but why was that such an epic gig the, well the space itself being that grand civic you know right. the winter gardens it's got this historic sort of mm. um 
enchantment there you know it's like such a going down there is just like the the ornate sort of space the carpet the red carpet um and then all the effort we put into the um visual side of things you know with the lasers this big you know hanging shapes up in there and but the crowd as well like you know there was people there that had been following us 25 years started following us 25 years ago yeah so they they'd been there on that journey with us and so it was that's really, true it was good to see I was overwhelmed i was like holy shit, everyone's yeah. here this is like i yeah. didn't know that they they we well, our, was, our music meant that so much to yeah. that, those yeah, people yeah we, we should talk about that because yeah, yeah it's like you got you guys are very humble with this and it's like you, we we were we were all having meltdowns the week before when we mm. had to support each other. I remember, I do remember saying to you guys like, "You fucking sold more tickets than anyone else can in our music scene mm. in like a week and a half." Like, you're a big deal to a lot of people. Mm. Mm. Um, but yeah, I didn't know what I was uh, when I when I, I was I didn't know what I was asking when I said to you guys like, start st- like play as if it's the from the start to the finish of well, not the finish of your career because you're not finished unless it's something you're not telling us but uh, <laughs> like start with the how you started with your music career up until the current but I didn't realise uh, how much work was can you explain what you had to do with like all your early tracks and stuff to, to br- put that into that set that yeah night. to bring it up to date uh, yeah. now now that I've fucking yeah, dealt yeah. with the studio and stuff well, I know it's, it's about... interesting because it kind of like the whole COVID thing as well kind of leads on to another part of it we're, like we're because we're making this new album right yeah. for Ronnie Boga just to mark the occasion as well and at that stage we were getting real close to just putting a new album out but we had gone down the path of like sort of focusing on re like reworking the older tracks into a 2022 2020 whatever year it was version you know yeah. and it was and that's how we kind of got into that was the studio work and reworking those old tracks and giving them, you know, new kicks, new bases and stuff, and just bringing the production level up, but still having the essence there of the of the original stuff. And that was that was almost the album sealed, with all overseas artists remixing as well. And then COVID happened, and then it gave us more, gave me more time in the studio, and we got to actually build on that. We've got made original tracks now, so yep. it's developed into something. A whole lot more, which I'm, I'm kind of stoked about too. Yes, you know, it's like re- rehashing old stuff yep. is cool, but you know, you shit is what we want to be. But it inspired yeah. you to yeah. develop new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, and I think if we had a just if things had a not shut down, we would have just sort of probably just simmered along, simmered along, and just sat there, and we would have probably done that, eh? Kind yeah, of, it was say, almost I, I reckon, and and. And it, yeah, so I, I feel like it was a whole bunch of stuff, but you know, like to get those old tracks back up was hard because a lot of the them didn't exist actually anymore in a in a, in their current forms apart from just the WAV file. So we had to go back and find. Um, z- um, yeah, it had zip discs. Uh, zip yeah. discs from. Oh, our, yeah, yeah. Those were the days. Oh, zip discs. A hundred megabytes, no less. So nothing would read it, and, I, and, this, and the machine wouldn't even turn on. And then my a friend Ash had a little device that his dad had. He's a computer guy, and he was like, "Try this," and we and we were able. He was able to extract the. Oh, samples wow. and that was like oh wow, that sample from that track way back then and yeah. it was just in its raw form yeah. and we chucked a few of those in there and and yeah but basically we just stripped everything back 
some of the tracks we weren't able to actually go too deep with. We were like basically kind of re queuing and adding some, you know, slowing them down, slowing yeah. them down, yeah. and, some, and some just grunt behind yeah. it. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you: was it was that at the with the older stuff? Was it like? your skill as a producer that's got better now or was it the technology at the time just wasn't there to make it make uh, it that's an interesting I was just saying the other night I was like we listened to our old stuff and it's just got I mean I think the product the technology was we're able to make but our ear was like slightly different it was tuned. yeah you know it was like sort of this it had this sort of dry to it not as crisp but the as technology had a massive part of it because it's like you know you can do so much more these days with 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 the plugins and what and whatnot. It's <laughs> but, a, I, I find it's a visual thing so especially with like basses clashing and stuff there's yeah. no way you'd be able to do that with the ears but yeah. like in Ableton you can see where they're, where they're hitting each other and, oh, yeah. Yeah, mm, yeah which which that wasn't that, yeah. that I don't know yeah. how long that technology but there was a, also maybe our sound was a bit more lo- lo-fi you know it had this sort of mm. you know we weren't really we were, we were never studio um, nerds who nerds. just like fuck just wanted to make, make music cool tracks yeah, and the, that's and the, what we were and it was presentable for yeah, sure yeah and we just you know like just, just to get them mastered but and did you use engineers back then or was it all you yeah, that, that, only us only like, us and then we'd send it off for mastering yeah, yeah. Right. So yeah, we'd get we'd get someone to master and and yeah, I mean and and that was the days where you actually made money from record sales. Wow. So I mean, you know, like our first albums, you know, we we were we were getting paid in advance on royalties. Yeah, for so, an album. So you get you get and you, before you even finish the album, we would get paid and we we're like, cool, well, this gives us incentive. Well, it was, it was enough to sort of like see us through to, to be living and making music and that it's totally different now of course because of, of you know the way the industry's changed but yeah i mean vinyl was we press like how many vinyls five thousand vinyls or something like that yeah cds were just as printing shit loads of them yeah. yeah so back then you the the length it must have taken a quite a while to make an album because you had the advance right you would use the time <laughs> Yeah. So I assume what you make now doesn't take as much time as it did back then. It's different. Some tracks you you whip out, some you stuck on, and those ones you sort of end up just putting aside. But mm. yeah, we, we more, did spend a bit of time, made eh, those first albums. Oh, we, yeah. We were I mean, like we, on them for. We were treading, I mean, we were basically studio, um, in the studio as if it was our full time gig. So we weren't really working any other jobs then. Um, we were studio guys and 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 basically writing music for six months of the year and then touring for six months of the year um and yeah i mean you know we weren't making a lot of money in terms of but we made enough to sort of make that dream sort of happen for a a, you know a, a good chunk of our sort of it wasn't going to buy us that plot of land and stuff, you know. It's just like <laughs> a way to just keep moving forward and sustain us. Eh? But the plot, yeah. of, the plot of land wasn't really a goal then. It, it was more of just enough, you know. We just needed to uh, pay the rent and put food on the table and buy some synthesizers and, and whatnot. Yeah. That was that was what was uh, our driving force and, and playing in different countries and have a little bit of yeah, spending money in the yeah. cool need, countries that we're going to you need a lot less money to live on when you're younger as well oh like, exactly mm, yeah. yeah 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 um 
So you were going around the world then. Did it frustrate you a little bit that you had to travel so much that you couldn't sustain that living back home? Yeah, yeah, it was it was quite frustrating. We we talked a bit about the idea about us how it would look if we were to move to Europe and how that would affect. Do you mean that... like your style? Like you have to wear berets and shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or you know. No, just 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 to learn another language. Yeah, no, we 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 considered you know making the shift because it seemed like the only way to make a living on yeah, the music that, was that's to, what it, that's what it base, to base ourselves in Europe, and we both decided, I think, you know, mutually, really, oh, we did, we were actually pretty happy to to flag that and and just continue living in New Zealand and forge whatever we could and and um you know uh live here because it's still a pretty special place to be so that was important to us right. I, I would argue you've 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 probably had a better career here than if you had one obviously that's it just for the amount of yeah. uh, it's just so much more not that you wouldn't have s- yeah. st- stood up or whatever maybe and, it was like the big fish little yeah stuff, yeah well, but, but i wouldn't say that everyone think oh, fuck everyone's a big fish in a little pond mm. here it's a little pond but it's yep. um uh, if if your life if the lifestyle you want to live is here and and it's working like there's no point changing to a lifestyle you might not want to live and try mm. to we, force a we often thought that we had a, like that kind of us being from here and not getting um, uh, that gave us our sound and edge like because we weren't so influenced from what was you know we weren't absorbed in the European scene yeah full time so we were actually had a I don't know I think it did give us our sound its own sound yeah, yeah. It, it, we were talking Michael was talking about this the other night he's saying that he doesn't notice a kiwi flavour in a house and techno which I think is a massive compliment because now we're listening to overseas and keeping up with mm. what's overseas yeah. instead of going we can't keep up with what's overseas so let's just do our own little thing mm. Um, mm. yeah mm. Uh, yeah I think it was nice to come back and sort of re 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 fresh air and but we did miss out on quite a few gigs too because we were so far away and the promoters yeah. were like well there's there's the fee but your flights one of you might we can afford one of you you know yeah. flights and it just blow things out mm. so we'd have to to make it worthwhile we'd have to you know book, Stay in, there. book in a long time going to brazil was probably a, the biggest ticket winner for us hey. yeah brazil was a big market for us Sprint. and it actually it actually, it was, yeah, and it could actually be, yeah, they're sort of slowing down a lot and um, there's the, probably the opportunity to the go tempo. there. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, Brazil was amazing. Um, you go there for a month and then it'll be like six months worth of usual wages because you'd yeah. just be yeah. pimped out every weekend just going from gig yeah, to gig, I mean, three gigs, of, you know. I yeah, mean, the, the, old, festivals. the old British prog guys, I mean, until relatively recently, were getting triple their usual fee yeah. in South America. Like, yeah. They still go mad yeah. for melody over mm. the top of electronic music, yeah. mm. more so than a lot of Europe at yeah. times. Yeah. yeah, definitely. I bet the crowds were amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and that was huge festivals, man. Like, we... Fifteen thousand, twenty thousand, yeah, like, like okay, this is proper. Yeah, one stage though, not not multiple stages. One stage, fifteen thousand right. people, and it's like carnival. 
roller coasters and stuff yeah. set up. And Maybe that's like, the secret, just one stage. Don't spread people out. Well, <laughs> hey, there's a lesson there. Too many stages so can sometimes just like spread the crowd. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, the good old days. Uh, Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah. at, both at the time and sometimes now, I imagine you will sometimes think, Christ, we can play to 15,000, 20,000 people abroad, but we could never do that here. Mm, no. That that must have sometimes been quite difficult to take. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's techno, techno 4-4 sound in New Zealand has never been yeah at the forefront it's always it's always bass music it's always you know breaks and stuff like that so yeah but this goes this goes back to the general question of what, why we're doing this is like it, but it, but it was there there was a huge house and techno scene in Auckland uh, enough to support incomes and stuff and then it and then for whatever reason it went away not just not just clubs but festivals in the cities free festivals mm-hmm. um and again, I guess this is the question: What do you what do you think? Because obviously, you would have had bigger crowds back then as well, right? Like you'd well, be playing, or do you think now, or do you think now we just have it's just different, and now it's more boutique festivals, and we're having it's instead of it being uh, clubland and city, it's like four or five times a year just at festivals. Yeah, it's totally different scene, man. Like uh, you know, then it was more underground. Um, it was quite a special, I think, you know, we've, we've talked about this before, but yeah, it was quite a special time because it was all so new and, and, you know, it was like the people that were there were, were all equally discovering something for the first time. Whereas now it, it feels like it's kind of been a thrashed. It's been, well, it feels like it's just oversaturated. It's. <clears throat> you know what we're playing we're playing definitely playing more bigger crowds now here but um but it, it sort of feels that it's that sort of well i mean it might be just us as well like it's not so special for us anymore but i'm sure there's some young crew out there that are finding this is like the most amazing thing they've ever seen how do you find the responsiveness of the crowds these days compared to what it was back then God, I can't even remember back then, um, which is probably a good thing. But uh, you know, it means that it was probably pretty damn good. But I mean, it was totally, uh, yeah. I mean, like, what are we talking about? Like the Normby Road gigs. The yeah. Well, I mean, you could just say there the Normby Road gigs, or you know, just the warehouse parties, or, or whatever. Yeah. We uh, should chat about Normby Road. Yeah. It keeps coming up in other we were, podcasts, yeah, and yeah, um, yeah. I know you guys wanted to talk. We were about never, it, but... we were never really paid. I don't remember getting paid well at all ever here. No. In New Zealand, like no. back in the day, it was always, we were doing it, but it was just like a way to put our music out and yeah. be part of the scene that was growing, you know? Mm. And I think, did we get paid at Normanby Road? No, I never got paid. Can't remember. I think, no, we never any money, but didn't get paid. Maybe we got 50 bucks or something like that. But yeah, it, wasn't, it wasn't really about the money. It was just about a space to yeah. present it. And then it was like, fuck, this is, this is working. And then it was almost like we're... It was like the test run before we went overseas, you know, and that's what happened. But getting paid our first gigs over in Europe were probably out the live sets. We we're getting a thousand euros, and then as time went on, we were like up to two thousand euros and stuff. We'd come back home and do a similar thing, and the promoter would be like fifty dollars for you. Yeah. You split that we, in two, we've boys. We got five hundred. 
and the budget would you be keen to do it and we're like well we're here we're, okay yeah. yeah you know but don't tell the promoters in fucking Europe that we didn't you know but that's it I mean but yeah I, but then it was like you know we, we were we did play for not a lot of money in, in New Zealand because obviously it wasn't really about money for us yeah and that's another thing you know because it kind of circles back into like you know too many DJs da 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 and you know you know the younger generation coming up were always putting their hand out first you know it's sort of like okay yeah that's sure it's about money you got to pay your petrol the costs to get to the gigs and your bits and you buy your music and, and whatnot we get that but I feel like there's just some sort of when you're a DJ and you've had a few good gigs and you've done you know you've you've done a few years on the block then you know you kind of there's this, like this badge that you can you know start actually asking 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 for money but also kind of I don't know I just you know maybe it's just it's just that I just saw things differently when I was coming up I was just stoked to be playing and yeah but that but this is the problem the problem is also all of us um doing that thing for so long of oh we'll play for free because we, we think well, we're I'm not helping. saying playing for free yeah but you know I'm, not, I'm just saying like a warm-up DJ wanting a 800 bucks when yeah. it's like well you know but our agent from Australia what he does is he looks at the festival or the party he then goes um, how much are tickets are tickets and then um, how much how many people they got in their previous festivals how many they're expecting how ticket sales going and there's a bit of a negotiation obviously you go higher as you can but you know what you're worth to do what you got to do because we kind of have a base rate and and then then it's up to us whether we accept or not and yeah. I mean but you know we've you know we've done three two three hundred singles we've done three or four albums we've toured the world you know we kind of have we're in that position where we can do that but you know I agree you're definitely worth fifty dollars now yeah so. <laughs> <laughs> and a six pack yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so so uh, to the uninitiated uh, tell me about Normanby Road mm. well Normanby Road was it's it's a road that's in Mount Eden and it uh, back in the day which was let's say 25 years ago um, early 2000s yeah early 2000s yeah. like 1999 to 2000 mm. um, there was a warehouse and it was a uh, a bunch of creatives were living there um uh, you know, I think Jamie lived there for a while, and um, people like Sai and um, yeah. a few other characters. And you know, <clears throat> they were they were very much, um, I guess, uh, on the creative edge of just you know pushing boundaries. And they started doing parties there. And it was all connected with Cyber Culture Records, which <coughs> is a record store on K Road, right? right. Yeah, and that was where. <clears throat> You go and buy the music, all the stuff that you know the side trance and the, they had they had a nice sort of techno selection there and breaks mm. and drum and bass and yeah and it was it was basically a meeting point for people and cyberculture basically presented lots of the parties at yeah at Dornby Road yeah and the owner of cyberculture Steve he had um he was like into sound systems like EV was the first one that I think he think he got. Yep. He was so into it, he was like 
you know, like a Harley enthusiast is on a Z, you know, Harley bike. He was like just frothing over the speakers and the PAs and stuff, and and that just sounded epic in there. Did it did, it did. And, and so he was a driving force behind it because he would yeah. so do a party, and we'd put together. Well, we would actually. I mean, to, to take it right back when we came back from Japan, um, I kind of got. Uh, a whiff of this this these Norman B Road parties and so I, I went along to them I think you were still in Japan mm. and I'd only been back for a little while and uh, this was this was, would have been 98 then yeah. 90, end of 97 yeah right? and so and I was just like blown away because it was like it was yeah because in Japan we were kind of immersing ourselves in the in the cyber techno culture and so this was felt like we were kind of in the same world in a way and it's like it's here now kind of thing. yeah it's just been, I, I yeah. Mean, it, was, it was pumping over there wasn't it like, yeah yeah so, I mean festivals. Tokyo was at the yeah, next level but and then so coming back here was nice it was refreshing to like, oh wow, wow it's happening got something. but they they were playing like dats and it was they weren't mixing right and I I'd been buying a lot of vinyl over in Japan and I kind of got myself on the lineup through somehow and Anyway, um, I was mixing vinyls and people were just like blown away because he's changed the game. Yeah, yeah. the music doesn't stop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it was pretty cool because I, I remember playing a set and it went really well. And, you know, obviously back then I was you practice your sets for like you know the, the week leading up to it. Um, and I remember being out the back and in the, the chill out zone. And overhearing someone say, "Oh, who was that guy DJ man? Was he? Where was he from? Was he from Europe or something?" You know. And he saw me, and he was like, "Hey, bro, where are you from?" And I was like, "Mount Eden." <laughs> and, and and he was like, "Oh, true." And so that was, and then so you know, we. I mean, Hay wasn't DJing then. Actually, he was just. Yeah. doing producing stuff so. I think it was only that because of that sound that they didn't press too much final A no and it was hard to mix but we were like we didn't like we didn't really go down the the hard trance we were like kind of mixing sort of the more techno stuff which allows you to mix you know and so that's why it, it worked for us but it, we actually kind of you know also sort of brought in a sound that was based around not the squealing you know psychedelic stuff. psychedelic stuff but more of a driving hypnotic sound do you think you're going to take up the DJing scene hey pick it up try to give it a go <laughs> yeah I'll give it a go man I'm just you know I might as well oh. everyone's doing it everyone's doing it he's doing it um, so, so what was Norman was Normanby Road? Was this a properly licensed place, or was it no. just chaos? I mean, they didn't even sell alcohol there. No. It was like no one was. I mean, we didn't even. People drink. on it. It was crazy, but right. yeah, it was all like yeah. just bring your own, just yeah, bring it in and just pay for, pay for tic- tickets on the door. Yeah, and and there would be 10, 8, 10 p.m. till. 9am or 10am yeah, it was 12 hours we would be pulling yeah. out onto the curb in the morning and there'd be people in the gym coming in all <laughs> yeah. and it would be like yeah <laughs> there's something particularly funny about leaving a venue when it's late 
and people are just yeah. getting on with oh, their every day. The, yeah. the London, London underground, on getting the on the tube. <laughs> business suit going to work and you're coming out. <laughs> oh my God. But Jesus. there's also a bit of camaraderie if you're with people. Oh, if you're with people, you're sweet. You're just yeah. owning it. Yeah. Like you're laughing at everyone. You yeah. don't care if they're laughing at you, which yeah. they probably are. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. if you're by yourself, like you, yeah. you feel really shit. guilty. Yeah. You think they're looking You've at You've done it again. Get your life in order. Um, so from 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 Normanby Road, was that was that important to your early days? It was because that was that was where the inspiration came from, right? Yeah, because yeah. the plastic park. Um, Philip. Philip. Yeah. So touring him. Yeah, I mean, basically, the guys at, that were running Cyberculture started, you know, reaching out to certain artists who were traveling, oh, yeah. and they were in Australia playing at places like Rainbow Serpent. And Rainbow Seven, if, I'm not sure if people know about that, but it's uh, sounded brilliant. Man. Yeah, it's a festival in Australia. Rest that, in peace. Yeah, that that's been happening for, well, it hasn't happened for a few years, but yeah, it's it, gone to a different place now. But yeah, it was one of those really special festivals that, um, if you know, you know, it was kind of um, yeah. So there would be a bunch of DJs that would be floating around Australia, and they'd bring them over. And so when we were seeing these guys playing, we were like, holy shit, this is the sound that we are trying to create, but we didn't really, you know. And what was that sound? It was kind of like, let's say, it was uh, just a really stripped back uh, sort of, you could say it was trance, but it, it didn't really go off in all directions. It was more like a... We caught all the... Ha- we were like, this is the... The guys in Hamburg. We're, this is the Hamburg Hamburg sound. Hamburg house. Had this, this <laughs> off-base, off like, big, fat... Like, it was faster. It was still, like, 130-plus right, BPM, yeah. but had this, you know, chuggy... Yeah. You know, if you were on chuggy... But was it melodic? It yeah. had mel- melodies, but there was, it would always strip back to... Yeah, you know, it would take off and then and then pull back and yeah, it wasn't it was, too overly melodic. It was techie, yeah, right. it was more techie, more techie, and it's more like tech house really. But yeah. with melodies, it was, it's hard to kind of describe. Really it. organic it was, mm. and um, just yeah, quite just quite unusual music. And so yeah, we were inspired by that. And so we were, we were in the studios. We had our little sort of home bedroom studio set up, and we took them traveling around the country. And we were, Hanging though, and they they heard what we were doing in our studio. Yeah, well, yeah. They said this is good, but yeah. reckon it could be quite a little bit better. And then we were like, okay, cool. And then we wrote a couple of tracks and then gave them to them, and they were like, "Fuck, this is good. This is, this is fresh stuff. We don't have anything like this over here." Because once again, like we're going back to what Hayden said before, it was like it was our version of what they were doing, but just totally not really influenced by that because mm. we, we didn't actually, only heard what we were listening to in the DJ sets. Yeah. We tried to have to remember that and yeah. go back and, and do it ourselves. And, and what came out was this hybrid version of that, you know, like, you know, we... we Very organic sound because yeah. we were living out in Cuddy Cuddy. Yeah. And had a, we had a dat recording and... Sampling. And a, sampling, like going out into the, into the forest and smacking trees to get up accustomed sounds and... Putting just it on the zip disc, putting it on, yeah. the, on the ESL three thousand, and, and yeah. learning that, and then getting that inside. And we used to put mics inside old fridges and stuff, and get that, <laughs> you know, that cycle going, and then looping that into to it too, kind of creating textures and stuff. And what temperature setting do you reckon that fridge was running? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a nice 
called Sex Degrees. <laughs> what is I preferred to DJ at at least 20 centigrade. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, but yeah, that, that was a chill out. But it was, those two, it, was, it was those two tracks. Rainstick was the first one. That was the one that um, yeah. Philip, Philip heard. He goes, this is really cool. Yeah. We had this Rainstick from Mex- Mexico, you know, the cactus thing, and you t- turn upside down, and that was the theme of the song. Just all through it. And he was like, this is this is gold can you write another one there's an EP and then we did and they were like well we're going back would you guys be keen to come to Europe sometime? six months later we're in Europe And if, but before you get here you got to write some more material so you have something to play Play. you know we only had two tracks so we, had, we wrote another six or something and then we had a live set and we took the XL there weren't that many live sets in the late 90s no but it, was, it wasn't really properly live it was we were playing off a hard disk recorder right. and it had like uh, 12, 14 channels and so we basically sort of separated a bunch kick, of stuff on kick, that. Yeah, bass and stuff and so we were able to sort of oh, okay. drop stuff in and yeah. we had our sampler there and but that was all, that was, that was playing live some of it too, it was triggering that, yeah. that could. But you'd have been on lineups for most of the most of the other acts that have just been mixing off two twelve tens, right? Yeah, pretty much. So was, you, you had a bit of a point of difference. There. Yeah, yeah. But we kept, traveled with a lot of kit, then it was like, yeah, it was kind of a bit much thinking about it. It was a bit hectic because yeah. you never know what how your kit would turn up when you got there because it was always you know they didn't really treat stuff or well, no, they still don't treat still stuff. don't know. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, so yeah, that was Normanby Road. I mean, that basically um, catapulted us yeah to the international scene. So we and it was a, you know, just the second happen starts. What do you call it? Just yeah. those guys coming in, us meeting them, getting on with them. And then just having that interaction just made it. And and did, did the European crowd get it immediately? Yeah. You didn't have to change anything. No, no, we they didn't. They did. That we didn't have to change anything. I mean, we kind of. Uh, I guess we were a point of difference because we we're from New Zealand. I mean, how many? Yeah. How many? You know, places in Germany were like, well, you're from New Zealand. Well, you know, where is that for a starter? <laughs> um, and so, but yeah, we we kind of held our own in terms of you know um writing music that was like kind of theirs but not yeah we, we, yeah. we would put the lineup we were like morning sets so i would bring the night down a bit and bring it into the morning yeah, so the nice slow. progressive sort of yeah. sort of awakening in the mornings and people really liked that and it was like people mm. said that mm. the sound that we were making kind of actually forged a new way with that whole Probably. yeah 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 it was uh, we kind of did we we did actually you know not to blow our own trumpets but we kind of forged Someone a bit of sound a sound that kind of had you know ended up to being where a lot of the scene is now so you know and that was just you know not really anything to do with us but apart from we just happened to be right place at the right time and doing something a little bit different that sent the scene kind of yeah opened up to uh, and 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 so you must have felt amazing having gone to Europe and nailed it. Mm. When you got back here, what was the reception like for you? Did people respect you more, or were you just the same dudes getting paid the same? Well, we, we were in our little in the in the in the Normanby Road scene. We were like the heroes, right? And we probably still are, you know, because yeah. those are the ones that came to the twenty-five year thing. Yeah. But you know, generally in the Auckland scene, we were kind of no ones in a way because we still 
I don't know. It was uh, still so underground, eh? Yeah, and also, um, you know, our, our sound was—I don't know. It was just—it took us—it took us a lot of time to actually get the respect of the people that we wanted to get the respect from. In a way, like um, you know, I'm just trying to think of you know, place. Well, we never got booked for anything. There you go. We didn't right. get booked for any of the festivals that were happening. You know, like the gathering and. And the, and the things like that, yeah, or should have been playing the gathering. Yeah, you know, and and but I, that was all also because no one really knew about us. And if unless you back then there was no Facebook or any of that, Instagram. So you, unless you <laughs> went around, how with did them, you? How did we actually do it? Back you were time? very localized heroes. Yeah, just a, a bit of word of mouth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. they're really cool. I mean, and it, being our personalities too, we weren't really that great with yeah. promoting ourselves. We were just like quite. Well, yeah, we've done something cool. It's but you know, there, there, <laughs> there was a scene here, like, but it was like the scene from Cog Transmissions. Um, I don't. Yeah. 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 Jamie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so Cog Transmissions were like they were at the forefront of that. In um, but we, you know, like, and then Denver was doing his, um, you know, Micronism, and he he did it on Cog, and there was Signer and all those, and I mean, me and him were like totally into that. And it was a hard scene to to break into because well we didn't we never broke into still it. is yeah still, yeah yeah but, you, but you've broken into some of the scene here so what was the point when you did start to get bookings and people saying oh they've done well in mm. Europe don't you know let's book them when did that change well it, it, it sort of like changed when I reckon um, our like. You know, first we, album, right? yeah, first album probably. The first album we put out a proper album. We, Only Boga Records from Denmark. We were on the know. Pavement magazine. We got into right. New Zealand music, New Zealand musician. We did some a video. Um, we kind of, and then that sort of started to break that into us. Break into it then, and then, and then people like you know, um, some of the some of the people that were coming to Norman Road were doing their own festivals. Like yeah. John Paul Moss and yeah. stuff like that. And and so then we were getting headlining and, 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 and stuff and going back to Rainbow and smashing it over there. Yeah, and, constantly going to Australia. Yeah. So we were booked there every year or every second year. That was really cool. I mean, yeah, we were travelling like six to eight times a year to Australia just to do gigs. Um, and... And then Europe, and then all that sort of stuff. So it just sort of happened right through there. And it just people it just sort of. But you know, New Zealand's small, and it's just population. It's just that we just don't have the numbers to like they do. And yeah, so I don't. I don't think. I don't think it's there. Well, my argument is always explore. It's like explore. Explore can sell out without even trying, and it's everyone's favorite festival, and it's thousands of people. Mm. It's our version of Rainbow. It just doesn't have house and techno. No, well, not um, at the forefront. Either. Not at the forefront. Yeah. I, I would, I would argue now it's more house and techno orientated with mm. the side stages, mm. which is what Rainbow did. The side stages were, were house stage. and, yeah, yeah, and, then, and then, then they became the main stages. Yeah. So I, I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that 
that well fuck if I didn't think that I wouldn't be doing all this like, <laughs> yeah. like that's the whole mission is to fucking spread the spread the gospel that, I, that's what I do find well I have my own theories on this like and those that have, you probably heard this before afters and stuff but yeah. um, like house and techno is born out of hardship like so mm. in Britain it was out of um, Thatcherism and the strikes and uh, also the how- pills were excellent in 1989 <laughs> yeah. that's another big but, uh, but acid house and the ecstasy boom and all that had, it came out of hardship there were people needed a release they had release with uh berlin it was the tearing down of the berlin wall in detroit it was um black culture trying to find their own voice mm. and poverty coming out of poverty uh so house and techno is born out of hardship and in new zealand it's, we've just never really fucking had it that bad mm. But then you until know, this summer, yeah, until yeah, the summer. summer. So let's see next yeah, year. Yeah, it could yeah. be an amazing. But, but, but there is there therein is my argument. We, we had COVID and it was booming. Like, but the support for our gigs and and DJs coming out of it because people have been locked down and the hardship, and then we come out of it and everyone wanted to celebrate and support. So it was there. Uh, yeah, we we should also make note like that if we. We've just come out of a fucking natural disaster and everyone's yeah. going, what's wrong? What's happened? It's like, yeah. the wow. fucking country's just fucking flooded. People yeah. have lost their houses. Yeah. Like, can, like, what's wrong? Like, yeah, there's, there's been a lot of stuff, you know, like, it's just one thing after another. And then, obviously, the, the financial climate, it's all, you know, if, you, if you're listening to the news or listening to media or whatever, it's, it's all doom and gloom. But, you know, in my... In my experience there's always highs there's always low in the financial stuff so we will come back out of this that's okay um but yeah we we just had a bit of a shit summer i reckon it's probably been the worst summer ever yeah um fuck yeah you know and and i think you you agree and i've spoken to a few other people it's but i've never been at a festival waiting to play and then it's just like oh you're not playing the weather's shit yeah it's like fuck yeah what there you go so i mean in terms of that um yeah it's it, i just think people need to just let the dust settle um and let's hopefully uh next summer is going to be a bit better so what's what's your advice for obviously we're going to go into a dry spell from what everyone's saying yeah. with the recession if it's coming and we're yeah. already feeling the effects yeah uh what what is your what would be your advice to the djs young and old that are yeah if if there's not going to be so many gigs and there's not going to be money floating around like what what's your advice to 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 help them with their game oh um well you know firstly um if you're if you're making a living off off djing yeah it's going to be a bit tight for sure um but like i said before it's there's highs and lows and we're just having a bit of a low at the moment um I would probably like as a as a community. I mean, I mean, hopefully, um, you know, people listening to this conversation and and stuff. I mean, there could be some really positive things that come out of this. Um, we're going to winter. Um, we could do, you know, gigs and you know a few of the crews perhaps joining up and and and, you know. As opposed to doing so many gigs and all competing for the same space. That, that, to be oh. fair, that's already that or ch- those chats have already happened, and people that have oh, been good. very dogmatic in their approach in the mm. past mm. have thought a bit and actually put their hand up and said, "Fuck, man, we actually everyone needs some." 
help. Yeah. Well, there you but, go. But in saying that, that's in the last, uh, like, that was always low for, the, from the start, that's been our ethos, like, we should all work together. Fuck, man, you helped us out with our first mm. festival. You put your branding all over it, mm. which which helped us because we were, we were no one. Like, mm. that's what it's all, all about. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there are young, young crews coming through that are, Pick, picking up mantle probably doing it better than what we're doing and it, it's mm. go, fuck man it's a lot better than it was when this th- this is where this was my big question like maybe i've answered my own question like mm. it was like what the fuck you're quite good at there? doing that yeah yeah <laughs> can you quiet down like talk to myself for a second please mate? uh that like when when yeah when, when there, there was a booming scene uh and then i went to europe and came back and it was quiet mm. but but it, it cranked up again so it was it's cranking it is cranking but maybe maybe that's the answer it was just everyone seems to be helping each other a lot mm. more now for, for the record i agree from from my outsider's perspective but having been immersed in the scene for a few months i think there are a few crews doing good things and you would reduce the saturation if they joined together and did events that were six hundred. Yeah, but it, but it is, e- it, it, it is a, yeah, it is themselves. an ego thing as well. Like if you're if you're at the top, you're not gonna like. Why would you? Why would you want help? But there's quite someone? a lot of people who are at a similar level, and they're even however big their ego is, they would never think that they're at the top of a tree, really. Mm. They're, they're I'm at the fucking top of the screen. No, but but it's, but it's, even to me, like for for example, it's a great like, idea though, man. Yeah, it's, <laughs> the ego is just gonna crush that. In, in but, it, but in the but end, also right? people's also creative perspective and and how they want to present their festival. Yeah, you know, it's not always going to align if, if promoters are joining. True, but together. but you can feed an ego. With the with by dangling that carrot that it's going to be a bigger event and it's a bit and it's a bit more likely to be successful if another brand's crew are going to come along yeah. and put two hundred in the back room or but, whatever. But the the measure here also isn't bigger. It's who's better. Uh, right. The smaller gigs are better because of the vibe that it brings rather than the than the bigger ones. Mm. Uh, but also the ego thing where like the other night uh, and we spoke to Rob and. It was like, well, what could lo-fi change? And he was like, well, ch- changing the music genre and and like, I'm just really? like, well, why? Because that we've built the whole thing is to push house and techno. So why it'd be against everything that I stand for to to change? But at the same time, change it uh, to what though? Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah. yeah that's probably should have followed up on that question <laughs> a bit more with Rob. But yeah, uh, but yeah, I kind of said that to um, John John Paul Moss the other night saying like my opinion was if you want to get bigger you'd, you'd have to push house and techno or drum and bass more but he's dogmatic in it as well he's like no I, what i'm doing is working and yeah. and yeah. i'm gonna keep doing what i'm doing because it is working mm. and that's fair fair enough uh so 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 what what have you guys got coming up in in what we think might be a bit of a fallow period <laughs> like what are you guys going to be doing for the rest of the year yeah, well, um, we've got an album like a, um, coming out, which is the 25-year one, which it's, Aiden was talking about it's almost It's almost ready, but um, I'm a bit worried. I've just dropped my laptop off. To, it's in triage at the moment, and Ooh. just won't turn on. So I hadn't backed up five of the new tracks, so they're, they're all just... It's in limbo land there, but I'm pretty sure it's just the, like the, the battery. 
or the motherboard. I'm hoping. Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And if that if it's, if it's something more than that, then fuck, we'll look at that later. But we're going to get this album. That you mixed. should have stuck to zip. I'm fucking telling you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You knew where you were with yeah. zip. Yeah. Get right. this album mixed. We're gonna get it, send it to the master. We're gonna um, get all the, these new tracks stem mastered um, from Gaudium, um, a guy up in Sweden. Mm-hmm. He's an amazing master. He does all the stuff for Boga Records. And so that's Boga is the um, is the label that we first did our first album yeah. on. So it's kind of a bit of a monumental. And we haven't done much antics stuff since yeah. mm. we sort of forged into out but, of sorts and stuff but some of the new um, Antics tracks actually remind me of the first Antics album which is kind of cool yeah we should chat though, just for this podcast I've yeah. asked you this before but yeah. what was the because I've got a follow up question so yeah. but um, yeah what was the why change from out of sorts from Antics because you're currently out of sorts right so yeah, yeah. Why, well, we, we, why are, we are we're, both Antics out of sorts but it's just not alienate the yeah. crowd the fans of that music and yeah because out of sorts is quite different it was at the time it was really different so but now see I've noticed that you're doing your antic stuff and your out of sorts shit is just sneaking in. oh it is yeah, so yeah, uh, yeah I know I know so I mean yeah but what do you do you just you know you might as hey I mean as on a business point of view it's great because you play a party you get paid twice <laughs> you know so you should have a th- <laughs> Hey, we do, don't worry. Third name. Yeah. Hey, three times. Then on the other side of the coin is like the admin side of that shit is fucking a nightmare. It's three Facebook pages, three Instagrams. You just have one name and just just evolve with it. Maybe that would have been a better idea. Now, would you have done the name change? Probably. Just stuck with Antics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just gone there. Yeah. But I thought, I was kind of like, Antics had this thing with me with the sound that we were making. It was really, that was locked in there and it was like yeah and were people bracketing you with Cytrans was that did that, that was become a, unhelpful that was that was became unhelpful because we were in that bag you know and that was a bag that I I never felt we were really in and so that was why we changed the name and that was a good question because right? <laughs> um, it was one of the reasons because we just wanted to um, bag up we, we, we wanted to learn we wanted to lose the fractal tights and, um, <laughs> and just jump into black t-shirts and um, and so so that that was kind of like a, a big part of it as well and to be honest I mean the first out of sorts release that we got was a remix on compact records yeah so it r- worked because these guys yeah. compact you know I mean. these guys were like oh well the, these guys are cool out of sorts but if they had been the antics they would have looked at a pass and I'm yeah. these guys are from you know yeah they, they do that stuff yeah. so you not do Cytrans no. here at compact yeah. Yeah. and we were loving that that sound so we were like kind of torn so you know yeah so it was it, 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 you know like there was you can sort of look at it in many ways but it worked for us and and then when you're sort of so far down that road you got to keep keep on it, you know? We also had another name for a while called Fjord. Fjord yeah. Yeah, which was, we called it our, our club sound there. Yeah, and then it was Triangle. That's a, it was a collaboration. Collaboration. With collaboration. And then, yeah, there's, there's Ivan Ho has been... Pylon. Pylon, there's been lots. The, yeah. the, the way Cytrans intersects with the outdoor versions of, of the music that we're all into is kind of interesting. Mm. And it's not something I'd really noticed until a few years ago. Mm. But it appears to me that Cytrans 
had lots of promoters and Psytrance was the driver for making these really good outdoor events. But then as time went on, like they'd start to book more housey people. Mm. And then and then the house would gradually take over. Mm. Like, is that correct? Yes, yeah, it's totally correct. So, I, this is what I think it is, right? <laughs> yeah. it, you, disco- you discover partying, you discover that Psy, it's great to be yeah. off your tits. It's just like, Psy, full fantasy. But you can't yeah. keep that up. You, you can't keep that lifestyle up. So you just grow out of it. Mm. And it happens with with what? Because the music's too quick. Yeah, and bonkers. Too, yeah, yeah. It's it it too hectic. Or, or not right. even at home. You can't. You can't. You can't. You can't. Um, you can't. You can't, can't relax. Something. Yeah, you, you can't, can't relax. relax. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can relax to a nice track on the dance floor. The stuff we make. Now. Yeah. You know, you, it's relaxing. It's not. It, Side trance is kind of hectic. Oh, it's like putting a cat in a bag and beating it with a baseball bat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> like, can you, hey, can you play side? Can you just do a nice warm-up side set, please? Yeah, it's, like, it's a fucking impossible. So, yeah, yeah I, but that's I, also age too. Yeah, but but perhaps, but it's still odd that 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 you guys end up, you know, and, and you're not the only ones by any mm. means mm. that don't do side trance at mm. all, but mm. sort of end up in that world. Mm. Is it is it partly the 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 world the global outlook of the people that have been to side trance their world view are these people that you would get yeah. on with like, yeah yeah no that's what, where's yeah, the synergy no, it yeah. is there's a definite connection there and and <clears throat> it was it, I I feel like we were accepted and a part of that um, scene although we weren't really making the side trance. But I think there was enough people in that scene to appreciate the slower, more stripped back stuff that we were doing because it kind of allowed gave, them to relax. It gave them a reprieve from yeah, the rest yeah, of Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, so like, yeah, we, we're rocking this. We're listening to the CD on the way to Boom Festival, driving up from Portugal, uh, from Lisbon or whatever, you know. That's your shit's just good for road trips yeah. and, you know. So I, I, I would argue that no one actually likes Psy. They just love tie-dye. And it's the only <laughs> chance they get to wear tie-dye. So yeah, it's like, well, size for me then. Yeah. But I mean, you know, just to throw it in there, it's like um, a lot of a lot of the um, bigger names in the industry. Nina Kravitz playing yeah. Atmos now. Yeah, Nina Kravitz is playing Extreme and Atmos. Yep. And, and Psy full Psy. And, you know, 138. And, and that's... And because... She's playing to audiences that have probably never really heard Psytrance in mm. that in that way before. It's just it's been it's like everything. It's like it's getting spun, recycled, and re- repeated. So she probably got sick of the techno scene because yeah. she got a lot of flack, man. Oh, like, yeah. She's fucking hated for some reason. Yeah, uh, it's because she didn't say. I think don't think she said anything against Russia. Say, or something. Yeah. Oh no! Even oh, before no, that, that oh, even before that, yeah. yeah. I think there's quite a lot of misogyny with it as well. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, let's not go. Let's not go down that rabbit hole. But it's a bit easier to reverse into side trance if you've got some sort of a banging techno background, I would say. Yeah. Like, I, I think that's a bit easier than from house, for example. Yeah, uh, sure. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, sure. I'd say it's easier to go from side to house and techno than the other way around. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I agree with that. But I think, I think, I think you know the thing about psy is it's quite very psychedelic. And I think that really works for techno as well. Like, yeah. and and I think, and you know, going back to what you, your point, Mike, is like that was the same people. It was like a you know a, a safe place, mm. a place of experimentation of love, happydom, whatever you want to call it. Um, 
yeah, it was kind of where this that was the the parts of the side that were pretty damn cool. Chai, the chai tents. Good, good chai. Nothing like a good chai. <laughs> what at eight in the morning? Oh, yeah, yeah. When nothing else works yeah, anymore. Yeah. Little pick me up yeah. with a chai. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we yeah should say like we always do as well. Like there's a lot of looking back at fondness from the past. Mm. I don't necessarily think it, the past was better. I think music is way better now. Mm. Uh, the the people in in that are playing music and the people in it are a lot better. Mm. Um, Things are fucking mm. musically fucking awesome. Uh, crews fucking awesome. A lot more opportunity for people. So yeah, this isn't a this isn't a the the grass is greener in the no in not the at all kind of. no it's just it's, it was you know we're just talking about the grass in general yeah, 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 yeah something yeah. to do yeah, yeah yeah and 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 a present day thing that was not around back then NFTs oh, yeah. I hear you guys are jumping in well. Wow. Yeah, well, our label is actually like Boga has been doing a bunch of NFTs um, already, um, and they still are, but through um, a digital NFT digital agency called Record Box. No, not Record Box. Record Label. RK. Oh yeah, Record Label. Yeah, 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 you know yeah, So yeah, um, although obviously you know the the crypto space is currently like everything, everything financial is in a bit of a downward spiral but the creativity is on the up because people can't get away with making shit yeah um so you can't you can't piggyback onto the ethereum the rise of ethereum now you've actually got to make decent art for people to buy it so yeah exactly so there's that it's quite so, a good time to enter the market so, so how we're yeah. how we're going to approach it is that um and it's um uh, you know we've, there's a few discussions that are going down but it's like you know obviously we'll have the album in its traditional form of vinyl which will be a big big we're going to smash out like a bunch of vinyls uh it's digital form and then um there'll be nfts which will be you know one of a hundred and they will be like this the track that's on the on the vinyl on the digital but a completely new baseline yeah and that's and then obviously um we're looking at um, incorporating um, our art from Rob, who's the guy that did the uh, the visuals for us at um, the, our twenty five year gig yeah, and explore. explore. Um, and so we'll be having there's different segments of this whole thing that you can really you know get excited about because it's like um, the NFTs allow people to, it's a one-off you know well, one of a hundred or one of 50 or one of whatever you want it to be it's, and it's a way of collect it's a way of giving value back to the music whereas yeah we find like we were saying we used to make money off our sales we don't do that anymore but people would have uh, something to collect they had their album yeah. and put it on there they're like that's yeah. what an nft is if people don't really get there i'm sure most people do but what, it's the, a digital collectible. It's yeah. kind of like the gatefold sleeve vinyl yeah. of twenty twenty three yeah. in the musical context. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's and it's cool because it it actually um, creates a collectible, um, which what music kind of always was, and it's become so yeah so disposable disposable. And um, so yeah, that's that's a part of the release schedule. Um, so yeah, 
Definitely. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah. it's 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 an interesting time to enter the market, mm. and you know, are you aware of the other possibilities with NFTs, like the generative angle? Yeah. Firing in your baselines to an algorithm that the user can sort of randomize themselves. Like, the, you can actually change one piece of music sixty times. Mm. You can get the user to do it. Well, I mean, there's yeah. a lot you can do with that. Yeah, yeah, you can actually give that user access to do their own version of, yeah. Yeah. of whatever you've put down you know so is there a longer term plan with this you think no, we're not sure i mean we're just sort of just sort of touching on it yeah man. yeah it's know. definitely but i i mean i'm really interested in the space and yeah. so we did talk about um giving our users um access to remix our tracks in their own ways so yeah this kind of is what you kind of in a way or, yeah. or the using i mean the whole the way the whole ai thing is going now hey like you know you were talking to me about it today or yesterday mm. um it's just growing so quickly so you know and it's 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 you can you can google a site and you just tell it to you give you give it a tempo you put punch in some tempo you punch in some details along the timeline of the track like I want to drop here. I want the I want the atmosphere to build up at this yeah. moment there. So is this already here? Yeah. I'm not sure. I was speaking to Jack about this last <coughs> yeah, night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My friend was telling me about it today, and he yeah. and he said it it um, and it spat out the song. And he goes, it was sounded like a really cool, like you know, end of um, lo-fi festival wrap-up video. That's the that's the tune that's on there. It's not taken away from the video, but yeah. there's enough in it. Yeah. And, you know, and it pans to the crowd dancing and then you could put this little rise up and, and this AI is creating this piece of music yeah I find this fucking amazing I don't yeah, think yeah. This, I don't think that, I don't think this will overtake because it's the magic's in the creativity well yeah uh, you, you how'd you use the tool yeah, yeah. 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 But how good yeah. would it be like oh, I can't I can't get this bass line and the vocal to sit right what can you help me Siri yeah. and it goes yeah of course I can you fucking yeah, yeah. here you go <laughs> yeah. uh, have another line that yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I'm in essence you know like generative music there's been all sorts of boring debates about it a bit like when Tractor and Serato came out mm. saying ooh you know the people on one side who are the innovators and people on the other side are like this is the end in essence a drum machine is generative music a preset or going through presets on um, you know on a synth or sample libraries it's to me it's just a natural evolution of, of, of what electronic music is mm. basically yeah bring yeah. it on yeah well yeah, yeah. We, we can't we can't stop it so you might as yeah, well embrace yeah. it and i mean that's and it's it's interesting because it it, it seems like music is a, a, a i guess a really big opportunity for ai to really show what it can do mm. and and so i'm excited to see kind of i'm not i'm not you know some of the artists that i speak to are like don't they're not into it because of course they're just afraid that the machine will become better and they'll become obsolete. Yeah. But that's just an ego thing anyway. But it's like, yeah. well, pe yeah. pe humans still want. A, well, I think they want that, you know, artist there making that shit for them, and you know, they, they, they're, yeah, they're thinking they got someone to like. Yes, I like that. They're, yeah. they're, they're, they're still more likely to trust a curator yeah. of music that's a real person than, yeah, than, sure. than something digital. But yeah, yeah it's the human. But we, we we were talking about this the other night as well, where it's like the people dis disappearing into the to the metaverse, and will there be clubs and people go clubbing in the in the metaverse over actual clubbing? And my argument is, well, you forget that. 
you forget the human element, which is young men going out to get laid. That's yeah. the, the driving force behind young mm. club lad, and you can't do that in the metaverse. Or young woman going out to get laid. Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. Or in the name of equality, yeah. both sexes yeah. are getting laid. Yes. 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 And they and men, this is very clear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, and my point then was that I think gradually with each generation, uh, they'll become less and less used to going to nightclubs as a rite of passage to get laid. They'll be getting laid with dating apps more likely, or upgrading their characters in a game, and 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 with a certain that certain avatar might get them laid. Um, and so that's what that's the future of metaverse clubland. It's never going to be a, It'll be just a, a replication yeah. of what we do. No, it, it's going to be really for people who have come at it comet electronic music and DJ culture from a different mm. angle than we did. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, I have a business that, that works in this area mm. and I have to be honest and say, I don't really think that metaverse DJing is, is for the most part for our market. Mm. Anyway, um, so NFTs in the pipeline, you're yeah. touring the 25 years yeah. of antics. What else is going to be going down for you this year? Well, we're year? looking to hopefully um, we're looking into New Zealand on air funding for our video uh, for a video for this album as well. Um, right, and that's pretty exciting. Be right. really, it would be really nice to bring this album to to light more here in New Zealand. Yeah, just it? just spend a bit more time you know, on this not one, not just on that European label. Yeah, again. so it's fucking hard. Like what? what how? Like that's the well, thing. Well, you funding get, from I could yeah, 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 video you know, will help. And, but, but, uh, even, but even not not to take away from no. that, um, what the. F- who watches what do you fucking music videos now? Like, yeah, uh, yeah. fuck, I used to waste days watching yeah. music channel. There's but no there must be a rationale. I mean, we had like Explore, so maybe we got a few more audiences. That did, you know, there is a documentary coming out, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. There is a, yeah. yeah. Getting that the, yeah. out to the people, people yeah. seeing it, you know, it's going to bring sort of like, oh, yeah, cool, they've got a new album coming. Let's yes. buy it. Let's. Yeah. But it's it's an interesting point you made though about videos. So mm. so you're getting funding for a video, but yeah, what what's the rationale? You know, mm. it, it must be quite all singing, all dancing if you're getting funding for it. What what what, what are we going to expect from this video? Well, that that said, I mean, it, it's it's probably yeah, we're, we're probably going to do a track that's a little bit more um, palatable. So we might actually have to write a track that's not currently existing. Yeah. Um, and well, we're working with a friend of ours, Simon Murtag, who's already done some really amazing videos. One of them's a leisure video, which he won the prestigious award. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, but it's a, a guy that just keeps snapping in and out of different realities um, all around New Zealand. I haven't, but I know Simon. He's a clever Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's, he's actually, he came to me with the idea of doing the video and... Um, and has sort of given me a, a basic brief of what he'd like to do. So it'd be cool if it could be one of the, the tracks that we've already got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we could have. Yeah, we'll see if it fits. But the the vibe. But I, I mean, I quite like the idea of doing a track, especially for the video in mind, because that's just another way of looking at it, you know, as opposed to. On the on the on the New Zealand on air funding, do you want to talk a bit, bit about that? Like you were yeah. talking about the te- what are the, what oh, are the, the boxes cr- you need? Yeah, to yeah. So there's you know there's a there's a bunch of stuff that you have to you, you you can't obviously no one you can't just rock up and give the the funding. You have to fit the criteria, and the criteria is 
like points out of 20 and and like for instance you have to have 15,000 followers on Facebook that's a point um, you have to have well we, we've had Facebook for ages so we got that I was like yes um, uh, and then and then um, you know like there's Spotify um, plays we, we took that one we made the cover of a um, a magazine New Zealand publication that was a tick um, we headlined shows overseas that's a tick uh, you know and we so anyway we I think we got 13 out of 20 or something like that um, we didn't have many Instagram followers and, and whatnot there was but that's all admin shit that's, that's all admin stuff and um, and so yeah it, it, it's just a matter of um, I, and I think the story itself, being 25 years, and um, you know what we were planning to do, and the director that's behind it, will, will hopefully give us the green light. So cool. So so if you, uh, this funding thing interests me, um, and we we kind of, we've kind of gone back to it in some yeah. of our conversations. If you had other funding for other things, no, we never had any funding right. at all actually. So. We're pretty much a self-driven, self-funded um, team, uh, and yeah, it's people have always said you should get funding. You know, you're you're artists. You know, you've you've been successful artists. You are successful artists. Um, but like like we said, the admin has always just been kind of beyond us, mm. um, and it's always like goes in the too hard basket. Yeah. Basket. Yeah. So, so is it fair to say that you you think that there ought to be a bit more help for you guys yeah, to definitely. to demystify the funding process? Definitely. Some sort of entity. It should be easy for us to for everyone. There for should everyone. be there should I mean, be someone yeah. that's like having an insurance broker where it's like yeah it, they're, they're they're creating their own income. And it doesn't cost you. It doesn't cost the insurance company. Mm. Um, and but it's like uh, they'll, you go to them and they go, oh yeah, we'll put you on the books and we'll figure out how to get you this funding. And it's mm. there. And it, it will just make uh. so, so much more sense instead of we've had the conversations with where it's like, yeah. look, you can't get funding, but we're not going to tell you how to get it. You got to figure this shit yeah. out yourself. And it's like, dude, isn't this your job? And he's yeah. like, yeah, but. It, it's funny that there isn't some kind of trust or or part-funded organisation that is an umbrella for artists to well to, to to get advice about this kind of thing. Are you sure that there isn't one? In, is it just that, imagine there was? Yeah, and like, you're just not. No, <laughs> money, 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 money. Because it's not. It, it, it's a fairly common thing for states around the world to have a certain amount of arts funding, but it to be bloody difficult to get it unless mm. you know people that that really understand the process. Yeah. And certainly in the UK, there's there's various middle bodies, let's say, entities that could speak to people like you guys mm. in simple terms mm. and, and hold your hand through the process. There's, it would be there's nothing I, here I, for, like that. I would, I would say it would be a lot easier for someone like uh, Tim Fern or Neil Fern. Yeah. Like, it would just be laid out. Yeah. Go for it. You know, there's, you're in. I, I I would argue I don't think it would be as easy now as it used to be back in the day, uh, for just because 
the, the money. Were the old days better, Owen? I mean, or was the grass greener? <laughs> We've been through this. Uh, no, just that there, there, there was an industry. Music, the music wasn't industry. There was money in art. There were money in CDs, and now there's not. So you kind of, where, where's that money coming from? It's all government funded. So yeah, all... I mean, it, it's it's a fair point given what he said that one of the criterias were was fifteen thousand Facebook followers. I mean, mm. how many people do we know in our circles? Like, fifteen thousand. That <laughs> um, that uh, you know semi-pro artists that could really do with funding that have that amount of interest or have been on the cover of a magazine, mm. almost not. But you know, just going back to you know, it'd be great to have uh, some government department or some non-profit department, almost like what APRA do. Like yeah, like what APRA do, but for artists, well. Yeah, maybe there should be a, a, a segment of APRA or a division of APRA mm. that actually does what we were just, just talking to about. take care of that. Sort yeah. Of. yeah. I mean, you know, instead of what APRA does is just go around and knocking on every little small cafe's yeah. door and asking for like $2,000 a year when, you know, it's ridiculous. Uh, so you, you'd have to deal with the small... You, you should probably talk about your... your com- tell Mike your, what your day-to-day... Yeah, is. so I have a company called SoSound and we do... Um, music for um uh restaurants hotels bars cafes retail and so you know we deal with that for a lot because um we have to pay fees as a uh, retail music supplier or you know commercial retail music supplier but yeah i get so many calls um every week really from small businesses that want to use our services but can't get their head around like having to pay these uh, huge um, licensing fees which okay doesn't seem so huge but for a small business it's pretty mm. big and um, and then they ask me questions like how, how do they work out how does how do they know which artists get the money and they don't it's and, a difficult answer well you know what they do and this <laughs> is like you know well what I don't know if, but the, basically they just take the top five or six radio stations and just get their playlists and yeah, that's and, how they do it and, 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 yeah. and so there you go so it's not even a really a, a very solid um, way of doing it um, my suggestion to APRA many years ago was to actually like they do in Europe and Germany who are really um, particular about fairness um, is have a basically anywhere that plays music being a, whatever as just a digital transformer that the music goes through, analyzes the waveform, that person gets paid. Yeah. Simple as that. Yeah, I mean, anything anything less than that is an absurd mountain of data to process. I, I used to work in, in that game in the UK mm. for a, a publishing royalties firm, looking at the, the amount of plays that artists had had that were on our roster mm. and processing all of that. Oh. And, and I mean, so many labels that release that music, firstly, they can't be bothered to process. Secondly, they're just skimming the money off the top anyway. Yeah. It relies on a lot of trust. Yeah. Um, and, and as you were well, I'm sure you'd have been, you'd have been tripped up in the past with, with a deal that you thought was a deal, but in the end, you got nothing for it from a label or a distributor mm, or, or yeah. whatever. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so... 
it it's a system that really has to change. Oh, I agree. It's dark ages. It's stuff. mental. Yeah. Um, but you know, there's not many people like yourself who are actually making a, a fair income from it. It's mm. not easy. No. Um, but yeah. That there's, um, it's good that you managed to do that. So mm. is that business growing at the moment? Yeah, it's it's good. I mean, we've been actually doing it for a long time. So since 2014, and um, yeah, it's it's definitely because it's a business. It's a it's a it's a service that people need because you know there are other options of Spotify or someone managing their Spotify and well, it's not Spotify. It's music for businesses. That's what it's called. Um, so you know what I'm what we're talking about algorithms and AIs and stuff like that you know people would much rather have someone that's been uh, and is still as a producer that's done this that has a, actually an idea about music and putting stuff and telling a story curating the curating playlist. a playlist than a computer a computer yeah. and, and, and so that's why it's been actually been a it has been a bit of a success story in terms of that because you're helping people well, it's brand identity right yeah yeah you're so aligning we, your brand with, with and how can Spotify know um, what music is best for people buying clothes or whatever. yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. even their algorithms have limitations they do, they certainly do That's I mean it's a good name for an album <laughs> music to buy clothes <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah yeah totally but you know it's good it's it's, it, it kind of I feel like I'm basically DJing all the time yeah because you know I'm doing playlists during the week and and then you know doing music and the other times but you know it's what I know it's what I love so I'm pretty happy to be doing what I love for a job really okay, I guess that's the question you guys still happy still happy doing this after all this time well, I think so because I'm still doing it <laughs> yeah it doesn't I mean, mean I'm still married in this. oh yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah no I mean just kidding just kidding sorry, I'm sorry Brie. yeah yeah well I mean Shit, man. there's 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 no definitely love it like you know we, we had some great we had some great festivals over the summer yeah despite being a shit summer so it, I've been I've been personally I've been struggling because of just doubling up my responsibilities with my, you know. You, that's not just you. That's every. every yeah, no, and it, and it does sort of take the the pure enjoyment out of it. You know, yeah. there is it's there, but I'm having to juggle my energies and, and my and my time and mm. a lot to to make it all to fit it all in. But mm. but you've been more prolific with music and the production. Like straight out of those lockdowns, you mm. you were like, dude, I've just I've just made this. Check out this album. Mm. Like you're pretty excited. Yeah, but, yeah. But it's, it's also it's still there, man. Yeah. I thought, oh, maybe I'm done with this because I was, I just I couldn't I didn't couldn't see at all because I was just clouded with my other yeah. event work and stuff and my building stuff. And I was like, oh, I have to let something go so music could be it, you know. Yeah. And that just felt like. The, you know, it was just a little bit of a spurt, but actually, this is going to be something I'm going to probably retire with. And it's it happens. It happens, happen. to every, it happens to everyone. Mm. Um, I get it. It's, it's called burnout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, it's a this, this is the last question for yeah. me. But do you think that having other business interests to pay the bills actually bought you some longevity as artists because it took did it take the pressure off sure. the next album Absolutely. having to pay the bills well Absolutely. we, we realised we weren't going to kick ass with financially with music because we weren't at the forefront of the scene over in Europe but there's only very few people that are yeah and it looks people, like there's yeah. a lot yeah. more 
But when you scratch, when you scratch beneath the surface, yeah, yeah. It's, I don't, not to take away from your question, no. but I, I've said this before. It was only very recently that I realised that, like, I thought it was only in the last few years after after doing all this promotion mm. and stuff that it was. I thought that if you released tracks and it was on Beatport, you were balling. You yeah. were on a yacht somewhere. And then, it, and then it was me looking around at like you guys and Cyril and stuff. I'm like, fuck, man, you got you, you're very interested in your own careers. And then it was like, boom, light bulb, mm. uh, which is which is part of the mission. Part mm. of the lo-fi mission is like, mm. I, I, I'm realistic. I know it's not gonna change. Um, I know it's not going to change and everyone's going to be millionaires, but I do think that, that all the stuff needs to be done so that in 10 years someone like the owners yeah. is coming through and it's yeah. not the same conversations of we're not getting what we're worth. I think everyone is doing the right thing and it is and it is working. So you have an aspiration that, that the... Um you know the antics of tomorrow could be full time for as long as they want. Yeah, I think it's just a perspective shift. I think it's like this whole thing with the and a lot of people. When we, this will be on other podcasts and stuff. You people think that underground means it's not for everyone. It's not that. It just means you have to dig for it. And I would argue that the drum and bass that is that is makes people money in this country overseas is underground and people have to scratch for it mm -hmm. so it's a flip side that we someone having this conversation about drum and bass in New Zealand how it's the best in the world and I wish it was as big here uh, mm -hmm. it's just a, a perspective thing uh, mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. yeah uh, yeah my last question is that you guys have a love of Toyota Land Cruisers. Where the fuck did that come from? <laughs> yeah. Well, random question. Yeah, it is. They just, just sold, sold a wagon truck to pull a heavy trailer, man, yeah. and then, then it just ticks all the boxes. Yeah, oh, it does. Yeah, I mean, you know, when, when you when you kind of do stuff like we do on the sides, well, hey, does it in particular? But now that I'm building a house and. And doing all the stuff that I'm doing in Raglan, it's like, oh, you'd be stuck without it. They're pretty solid cars, and they can pull a lot of weight. Yeah. And uh, they cruise the land, and we can, go, we can go up the beach with them, you know, surfing. Yeah. Take them up, go anywhere with yeah. them. So, yeah. Just, yeah. Do fine. you have any sub-questions lined up for that one, <laughs> then? No, no, no. I'm, a, I'm a big horn guy. I'm a yeah. big horn guy, so <laughs> I, I always oh. like, what are they seeing in this Toyota? <laughs> Hayden Bart, legends. I absolutely loved all that stuff about zip discs. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The good oh. old zip discs. Uh, yeah, poor guys made them, made them pull it all out and update. I, just, I really didn't know what I was asking when I, when I asked. So, Can you do a journey from the start of your music to now? <laughs> and they fucking did it. Uh, they did a really good job of it, but I had no no idea how much work I was asking them to do. Um. And to me, I mean, you know them better than I do, but they're carrying themselves as guys who've got a bit of their spark back creatively, I think. I think they they feel really up for this. Yeah. The, the, the thing as well is that they're both carrying careers and home lives uh, and responsibilities elsewhere and it's the same with me fuck man you get you get it's impossible to not get jaded and tired uh yeah there's gonna be ups and downs fuck the, the... but it looks like they're in an up phase it looks like they've been pretty inspired yeah i've i've never I, i've never really thing. noticed them in a like a fuck this and yeah fuck, uh, i've never s seen it so uh, all i see is productivity from them the, but they are in the antics up 
up phase. So, yeah. uh, so I don't know if it had anything to do with the 25 years or just natural progression or, um, but yeah, they seem pretty excited about antics again. Yeah. Cause there was a bit of time when, when, you know, they rejected antics and, and well, they changed the name out of sorts uh, and we, we sort of got to, we got to that, that maybe, I, I, maybe it was the Psy Association, but it sound it didn't it, from from that it didn't sound like they were like fuck antics. It was more like just a natural progression of trying to move with modern music. Their yeah. their modern sound of as other sorts is a lot deeper and a lot chunkier. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. But obviously, it's not that far away from antics because a few tweaks and it all sits next to each other pretty well. Yeah, yeah. So obviously their story was of interest, but um, the bigger issues, here we go again. So one interesting thing that they said that he said for a chunk of their twenties, one of them said, it seemed like the only way to make a living was to be in Europe, right? So sometimes when i hear you complain about the fact that you know we ain't got a living about out of this it's as if in the past more people did but I, i'm i'm questioning how much of this has really changed since 20 years ago well because i would argue that this this would have included uh vinyl and record stores as well that um that it's near impossible to make a living out of just being a DJ in New Zealand unless you're a jobbing DJ playing bar to bar. Now, it's quite fucking hard to be a bar to bar DJ and also yeah. uh, a house and techno DJ yeah. in the underground world. It can be done. There are certain people that are doing it and doing it well, but it's a f- more difficult path. These days, like, you kind of choose do you want to be the underground darling or do you want to be a bar DJ and make and, some money? And you say these days, you think that that wasn't always the case? No, I. I, I, well, again, just going from what we've asked guests and stuff, it doesn't sound like it. But, but, uh, but I've just said that that they what they said was that they had to go to Europe to make the full time living, and that was twenty years. That was a while ago, well, long time ago. Well, first of all, Mike, say something else. So, <laughs> but 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 again, look at it a different way. This is what people don't realize. Sometimes it is the fucking long game. Sometimes it. It is you've got to put the years in before you can make substantial money back because which is so you're saying they had to go to europe to make money um they're i'm not sure if they do now they probably maybe they'd make maybe they're making the same dj fee here as they would in europe it just includes flights for europe and the difference is the difference is with the money thing in europe is if you're a touring dj it's it's constant gigs so the money racks up it's not one gig if you had that in, put it this way if you had that in new zealand and you had a 10 gig stretch and you were on two thousand dollars that's pretty fucking good money for a for a stretch of gigs that's mm. that's partly what's missing from new zealand um and again but it, but it always was wasn't it uh i don't know i don't know maybe we got to ask more yeah. more more questions uh, I, I, the, the only thing i can I he know. said they were getting paid quadruple in Europe. Yeah, to to what they were getting in New Zealand. So, what's your question again, Michael? <laughs> my my, how but, much has it really changed? Well, my, my is is what I'm getting at here. Well, if in my opinion, in the last five years, um, since 
since people have made and myself included make a conscious decision to actually charge what they want an hour to make it worthwhile uh dj fees have gone up and so if that's in five years let's say in another five years that doubles that's a that's on my weekly income um i'd be earning what i earn a week out of my business for a gig if if the curve keeps going up so things aren't that bad after all, then. I never said they were. You keep saying, oh, well, the past. kind of do. I'm trying to learn from the past. <laughs> to give to the future. All right, all right, yes. And does that really make sense? Well, we'll run with it. Um, another interesting thread. Uh, they talked about funding um, and how to tap into that. And, and they said, the admin has been beyond us. It goes in the too hard bin or something like that. So this brings up a pretty serious point here. If you've got an axe like them that have a fair bit of clout um, around the world and they don't feel like they can play the system to get funding, we've got a bit of a problem here. Do you not think that it's time that there that there was some sort of body that represented club culture here that lobbied on behalf of these people, as opposed to you know Rob Warner out of the goodness of his heart or whatever? Yeah, of course I do. Of course I do. But uh, but this goes to me thinking that there should also be someone looking after the nightlife, mm. uh, as other cities have. Mm. Um, I think they go hand in hand and do you know what knowing knowing what i know there probably is someone it's just again it goes to too hard basket so a lot of uh acts and and you got to remember a lot of djs like give it the big one but are introverts and they don't want to have lunches and dinners with mm. people and talk this kind of talk yeah. uh and and if you're not willing to do that it's hard to get to the next step mm. um mm. but again I find it hard, and I'm I talk a lot of shit all the time. Uh, and if and out of sorts we record are, it. yeah, and if out of sorts <laughs> are leading our scene and they find it hard, well, yeah, there's definitely something something missing. Here's an idea: we look at the music tech that's in Auckland, which is way beyond most cities in the world. That's something that they've got. Music tech. We've got in music. We've got Serato. There's probably more. Um, Imagine if they backed some sort of a fund, right? They could get good PR value out of it. They could help school artists and use them for promotional purposes. But all the while, there's a pot of money and a pot of intelligence that could maybe be the bridge to, to you know, for underground artists towards some funding. Yeah, again, again two things. I know Pioneer do contribute. You've just got to have have i think that i don't I, I don't know pioneer do help i don't know how to get that help um it's never really been needed needed but it would be appreciated uh if it if it came through the the what i've got from and i could be wrong and i'd love to have this conversation with someone what i've got from serato and uh, Denon and in music is their market's not in the underground. They uh, as much yeah. as they put their branding on international mm. DJs and would love more of it. 
it's the wedding DJ they're making the, and bedroom DJs they're yeah. selling their units to. Pioneer have got such a monopoly. Yeah. For for a good reason. That's an amazing product. Yeah. On the club scene that that I feel like Serato and Denon are like, well, there's no point trying to break into that. So what? There'd be no advantage to them money wise or call factor to invest in our sort of thing. Ah oh, well, never mind. You know what else do you think can be done to help fund? The underground. Uh, well, the the what what everyone's doing is working. <coughs> it's not the quickest route, but uh, this thing where people are saying um, you guys should all work together, we are. And and in the and and um, in the last five years, and it's not just lo-fi. Like obviously, people were working together before, but we 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 try really hard with everyone to that we work with to recognize that. Your brand, your brand's important, and our brand's important, and they should look after each other. Mm. Um, and so, we all do work together. When, when, when our music scene comes together uh, to support something, it's thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Mm. Um, it's just quite difficult getting them all to unite for so, one thing. So you think, in theory, if though, if if things were more united, we wouldn't need so much funding. Well, I, uh, it, it's a, uh, again, this is the part of the reason we're doing this podcast is that the things on the other side have been neglected. So you're only as good as your last rave if, if you're only doing raves. Well, that's you fucked then. Well, that's <laughs> I've done quite a lot, thank you, Michael. <laughs> quite a successful music career. Um, but yeah, you've got to you've got to contribute to your culture. Um, the the gen in and this is my opinion again which i'm saying a lot because you can argue with me if you want to but um the things like this and interviews and and photos and and um facebook stories and things like that are the things that people grab hold of i would argue that things that people want to listen to things like this over mixes these days um give people a story especially a fucking sob story and uh <laughs> people latch on also uh music scene is so supportive of each other when someone's sick or needs help or we need to get together for the for the greater good it works when it works it's it's just getting it to work more is the, the secret i think <sighs> and breathe